0: Thanks very much. Uh, If you can have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Last week we started uh, this sermon series, um, Gospel and the Freedom um, of Running the Gospel Race. Last week it was about knowledge and how knowledge pops up but love builds up. Um, And Paul is giving an example now of how he has um, put the other first in order to build up the church in love but as we turn to First Corinthians chapter 9, and as we get ourselves ready, let's pray that God will speak to us. Lord, we thank you so much for your living words. We thank you that your words are sharper than two-edged sword, and we pray that that sharpness will be felt today, that these words will shape our character, our minds, and our lives, that we may be able to glorify you in all the things that we do, not just on Sundays, but in every day. We pray and we plead that you will speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I was preparing this sermon on last Friday, I ran into um, the, first, uh, the front page of the religion section of the Huffington Post. Its headline read, Best Paid Pastors Make Hundreds of Thousands of Dollars to Millions of do- Dollars Annually. And it went on to describe the lavish lifestyle of some of the pastors in in the United States. One pastor apparently drives a Rolls Rolls Royce, um, travels around the world in a private jet, owns a million dollar Atlanta home and a $2.5 million Manhattan apartment. Another is described to have moved recently to a $10.5 million, uh, 17,000 square foot mansion in Houston. Even though this article is probably motivated by sort of this anti-Christian bias of the Huffington Post, I think this, is, this sort of exposure is a good thing because there is something really wrong with these pastors getting paid so much. But some believe, as a matter of principle, go the other way. They, they, some believe that the pastor should be poor. I know of a church that pays a, li- a pastor very little so that the pastor learns to depend on God I question their wisdom here, because especially if God has provided a church, the congregation, with enough money so that they could support a pastor. But anyway, 2,000 years ago, Paul raised this issue, issue of minister's salary. And although Paul would not condone this lavish lifestyle of these highly paid pastors, I don't think he would approve of the churches that pay very little um, either. In fact, in verses 1 through 12 of this chapter, Paul talks a lot about how, why church should pay its, its pastor, the people who minister to them. They have the right to be paid, he says. And this is a personal issue for Paul, of course. So, look to verse 1. Paul says in verse 1 that he is an apostle. Even if others don't consider him an apostle, he is an apostle. Corinthians should, be, should, should, should consider him an apostle because through him, they became Christians. And he then lists his rights as an apostle in verses 4 through 6. First, they should provide at least a basic provision of food and drinks, he says. He deserves at least that. But then there's more. He says that they should be able to support him in his livelihood. So look to verse 6. He says, or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for, for a living? What he's saying is he has right to work for a living. He's saying he has right to get paid for the work as an apostle. And if we go back to verse 5, what he says is here, that this right should be extended to his family as well. Other apostles, like Jesus' brothers or Peter, take their wives around in their ministry. The church supported their family as well. And Paul has that right too, he says. And then he gives five different reasons why he has this right. First, it's a common practice that people get paid for their work. Soldiers don't serve at their own expenses. Grape farmers don't beg for grapes after farming. Shepherds have the right to eat the fruit of their labor as well. So that's the first reason. Secondly, the Bible says it too. And it, it talks about that in verses 8 to, 8 to 10. Even an ox has a right to eat. Deuteronomy 25.4 um, tells Israelites not to muzzle an ox while it's uh, treading, on the, uh, treading out the grain. If it's working, it should be able to eat. And thirdly, justice demands that apostles get paid in verses 11 and two 12. If people who do earthly work are provided for, then how much more people who sow the spiritual seeds? And he asks in verse 12, shouldn't we have it all the more? And fourthly, it was according to the Jewish custom to pay their spiritual workers in verse 13. Those who work, those who served in the temple, were given the first portion of all the offerings that were brought to the temple. That's how the the Levites, the priests, made their living. And lastly, Paul points out in verse 14 that Christ commanded those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel work. Remember in Matthew 10, when Jesus sends out the 12 disciples out into the field, he says to the disciples not to take any gold or silver or copper with them as they go, for the labor is worth his keep. They should be providing for those people who are preaching the gospel, he says. And when, th- I mean, this was all personal, so he's just talking about himself, really. But when Paul's writing some- about somebody else, he's even more generous. So Paul instructs Timothy in Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. This is what he writes there. Elders, the modern-day pastors, who do well as leaders should be reckoned worthy of a double sti- sti- stipend, stipend, in particular those who labor at preaching and teaching. For Scripture says a threshing ox shall not be muzzled, and besides, the workman earns his pay. Those who do well as leaders should be paid double portion, he says. Just so you know, I get paid plenty. <laughs> more than I should. <laughs> and just like Paul says in verse 15, I'm not mentioning these things so that I get a pay raise. I repeat, I'm more than abundantly provided for. But what Paul here is saying is important. Pastors and Christians, workers do have the right to be provided for. There shouldn't be pastors who have to worry about what to eat next as they, have the, as they do the gospel work. There shouldn't be this thought that pastors should work, their, work for free because they're doing Lord's work. Once again, in verse 12, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? And the rights, rights, not just for pastors, for everybody, is very, very important. When one does not know one's right, She's exploited and used for other people's purposes. Rights are a matter of justice, and social justice is part of the gospel, for the kingdom of God is a just kingdom where our rights are not trampled upon but held up. Words and ideas like civil rights, women's rights, children's rights, rights, Exploitation, equality, justice—all these ideas are very important. Uh, impo- I- I- are very important, and women, for throughout the history, have been taking advantage of so much because their rights were ignored. Civil rights in the U.S. has an appalling, appalling record. Black Americans, Asian Americans, Americans of I mean, all the minority sorts have were ignored, and routinely exploited, even now. Civil rights law in the U.S. were only passed in the 60s, 1960s. Rights are important, and we know that, and we should know that, and others should know that. It's a matter of justice, and we know that God takes justice very seriously. And Paul takes rights seriously, too. But look at what he goes on to say. He says this at the second half of verse 12. But... We did not use that right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. We did not use this right. The fact is that Paul talks about his right as an apostle from verses 1 to 14, just so that he can say, I did not use this right. And he repeats it again in verse fifteen, but I have not used any of these rites, and i 'm not writing this in the hope that you 'll do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast he 's not writing about the rights of apostles, so he finally gets paid he 'd rather die than that happens than that, than that happen and he 's writing so that he 's writing um, so that they know while that they're free to insist on these rights, but they're also free to give up their rights, if doing so would further the work of the gospel. As you know, Paul did not get paid for his ministry. He was a tent maker. Paul often worked long hours in very difficult circumstances in order to get the local congregation started off the ground. Paul probably worked morning and evening, As a tent maker, and during the day, he probably went to the synagogue to preach the gospel. He worked night and day. And he didn't do it for money at all. If people believed that Paul was preaching the gospel for money, Paul reasoned that it might hinder them from listening to the gospel message. And this isn't an unreasonable thing, isn't it? I have heard many people today that that says church exists to make money, for the pastors to make money to support their livelihood, and it's all a business. And with pastors getting paid so much money, millions of dollars, these skepticisms seem warranted. Imagine their surprise when they found out that Paul didn't get paid at all. The person who worked hardest day and night didn't get paid at all. Look to verse 18. Paul says his reward was joy, the joy of being able to preach the gospel free of charge. And when we, when we pause to think about Paul's words, we know that he wasn't preaching the gospel for free. There are no free things in life. All things are paid for by someone. Paul gave up his right to be paid, and he paid the price himself through his hard work so that others could hear the gospel free of charge. He paid the price. Our society is obsessed with words like rights, justice, my rights, gay rights, women's rights. But the gospel makes us people who are freed also from this tyranny of rights. We're free to insist on our rights, but we're also free to give up our rights. The gospel makes us aware of the all-important fact that there is something much more important than insisting on our rights, getting what we deserve. But I have not used any of these rights, Paul says. You know, going back to the pastors who get paid a lot of money, well, perhaps they have that right to the money as well. If they have written a book and that, that helps people and that sells really well, well, doesn't he have the right to keep the royalties? After all, no one calls a secular author to give up the money he earns from his books. Don't they have the right to keep that money? And most of these pastors also run very big churches and have tremendous responsibilities. And if the CEO of a company that sells things get paid millions of dollars, don't these pastors who sow spiritual spiritual, uh, seeds deserve more? But once again, here's the thing. Pastors not just pastors, Christians, all of us are people who have discovered that there are more, thing, more important things in life than insisting on our rights. And if their salary gets in the way of preaching the gospel, they are also free to give that up. Um, remember Paul, he says last week that he won't ever eat meat again. Meat again, if he has a right to eat meat, but if that gets in the way of people becoming Christian and growing in, in, in Christ, then he won't ever eat meet, meat again. And he also reminds us that he, he didn't get paid. He didn't exercise his rights. Um, one of the ten pastors mentioned in the Huffington Post article is Rick Warren, who made a lot of money from his uh, uh, book, Purpose Driven Life. He had, the, he had the right to keep that money, but... In 2005, he returned, he returned all of the 25 years of his salary. Past 25 years, the salary that he received from the church, he returned it back to the church and stopped, it, stopped accepting any more checks from Saddleback Church. Warren and his wife reverse tides. He gives away 91% of their income, and he lives off of the 9%. But... We did, not, we did not use these rights. And I know many people in this church who live like this. The music team, the PA team give up their rights to sleep in on Sunday morning. After a long week of work, people come to pray on Friday evenings when they have the right to rest at home after a hard day, hard week of work. People give generously to the gospel work in this church and to other ministries, when they have the right to keep the money that they've, uh, they, they've earned. Sunday school teachers have given up their rights to be built up in the church on Sunday morning so that they, they can build up the church on Sunday so they could ki- uh, serve the children. Youth group leaders, and they're all in their 20s, youth group leaders have given up their rights for Saturday evening. And it's Saturday evening for 20s. They've given up their rights so they could serve your youth in this church For the sake of the gospel, they have given up these rights so that the gospel could be proclaimed. And that is the gospel mindset. We know we have these rights, but we're also free not to use them, not to insist on them, if giving up these rights means furthering the the, the Christ kingdom, the gospel of Christ. So what rights do you insist on? What rights have you given up? I have a family friend who's a pastor. He's a bit older than my dad's age and quickly approaching his retirement. He's worked as a pastor all his life, as well as working as a pastor, a professor at a Christian college, and he recently made his retirement plans. And his wife, And he could just really travel all around the United States, visiting um, his sons and and daughters and raising their grandkids. He could also have looked forward to traveling all around the world, seeing new things. After 40 years of service in the church, no one would have batted an eye if they decided uh, decided to have done that. He earned that right to rest. But Reverend Paul Moon made his plans to go to India, next year as a missionary, after his retirement, to live among the poor, to preach the gospel in words and in action. So do we get mad when we don't get the thing that we really think that we we want? Do we insist on certain rights over and against the work of the gospel? How are we making our decisions to spend time and our money Are we ready to give up our rights? Not even our rights, but our preferences. If that means, if giving up these things mean furthering the work of the gospel. And a church whose members give up their rights for the sake of the gospel lives and thrives. And really, that's the only way of being a church. But... In order for us to be able to do that, we must be liberated by and energized by and soaked in and compelled forward by the message of the gospel itself. This was the only reason how Paul was able to live his entire life like this, as a man who had given up his rights. The gospel meant everything for him. The gospel was a personal message to him. It was a message that saved him. You know people talk about how the Bible is an inspired Word of God, and it is obviously an inspired word of God, but I, I'm so glad that God used people's personalities and experiences and thoughts in writing the Bible, because we get a personal glimpse of paul 's life through scripture. So do turn to uh, this passage: First Timothy chapter one i 'm going to read this long passage, First Timothy, chapter one. Verses 12 through 16. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. He's writing to Timothy and he's writing about himself here. I thank, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Paul was able to give up his rights because he knew he once knew himself. He knew himself as a sinner, the worst of sinners, but also a sinner saved. He was only gave up, he was able to give up his rights because he knew that he once had no rights before God. But God gave up his rights by dying for him. The gospel wasn't something that he lived for as an obligation. Living it and preaching it became his life. The gospel was the pearl that he discovered, the pearl worth selling everything that he had for. And if he gives up his rights for the sake of the gospel, it's only because he did not consider giving such things a sacrifice. And if we go back to our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says in verse 16, For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. He cannot stop preaching the gospel, no matter what rights he had to give up for it. And in verses 17 and 18, he says, he's like a servant entrusted with the responsibility. He doesn't deserve any rewards. Here's a man who is soaked in the gospel, who's compelled forward by the message of the gospel, by what God has done for him, that he does not consider giving up his rights a sacrifice. Brothers and sisters, you will only be able to set aside your preferences, your opinions, indeed your rights, for the sake of the gospel, only only when you live in the gospel. When you know yourselves to be sinners, but sinners saved. When we preach the gospel to one another each day, And when we are lost in it, when we preach it, and when we live it, we'll not only set aside our rights so that we may serve and love one another, but we will also be rejoicing in setting our rights. Because God makes these surrenders a joy. Because we get to live in him. Let's pray that we will do that. That we will live in the gospel will be compelled by the gospel. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, who set aside his rights so that he may live a sinner's death, so that we may have life that he deserves. And we pray that you will remind us of this precious message of the gospel that we will not consider a sacrifice to set aside our rights, that we may fully live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.